got your Bibles, uh, I want you to join me in the book of Genesis. And tonight we're concluding our series called Origins. And as Ricky said, next week we'll be uh, starting a new series called The Pursuit. And basically what we're going to do in The Pursuit is walk through the Old Testament in about seven weeks. And so that should be easy, um, not hard at all. Genesis chapter 1, if you'll go there. And um, I've been living in Tampa or Brandon, whatever you want to call it, for probably almost two years now, which has been, it's pretty crazy because in some ways it feels like uh, we've lived here for a really long time, and in other ways it feels like we haven't. You kind of know how that is, but we've lived here for two years, almost two years, and um, one of the things that I've lived in North Carolina, I've lived in Tennessee, uh, I lived in Houston, uh, I've lived in a lot of different places, and, th- and then also on top of that, had the opportunity to travel to a lot of different places, and so um, I experienced all kinds of different weather climates. One of the things I miss the most, and if you've ever lived outside of Florida, how many of you have lived outside of Florida? Okay, how many of you have ever seen snow? Okay, that's good. I mean, some people here, they're like, never seen snow. I can't even imagine that. So one of the things I miss the most about living outside of, of Florida is the weather changes in other places, you know what I mean? In North Carolina, it, it didn't snow a whole lot. North Carolina would just ice over, so that was annoying. You didn't get snow, you just got ice, right? Just slipping all over the place. That's not fun. In Tennessee, it would snow. In Houston, it's just hot. I'm pretty sure Houston is equivalent to what it's going to be like in Hades, okay? So Houston's just hot. So one of the things I really miss about, about being up, up more north, Tennessee, North Carolina, if you want to call that north, is like you actually get to wear jackets and you get to wear sweaters and scarves. Is anybody with me on that? Yeah. I'm a jacket guy, right? So somebody came up to me tonight and was like, you're wearing a jacket. It's like 80 outside. I'm like, I don't care. If it, if it goes below 90, man, I'm wearing a jacket, okay? Yeah. Just because it's that time of year to wear a jacket. So that's one of the things I miss the most about being outside of Florida. The other thing that's weird about being here too is nowhere else that I've ever been are these are there these little bugs that are attached to one another <laughs> called love bugs. Today, I don't know, is this love bug season? Yes. I don't know, I don't know, but they just I started seeing them and 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 when it's love bug season, I don't think this is love bug season, but when it is love bug season, they're everywhere. You know, like you could just you got them. And, and today I was getting in my car. I went, to the, I went to Walgreens to get some medicine for my wife who's sick. And I was getting in the car, and like five of them joined me. <laughs> they just kind of get in there, right? And they'll get on your windshield. You know this. They'll get on your windshield. And, I'm, and I didn't know what they were. At first I was like, I told my wife, because my wife grew up here from the time she was 14. She was here, Bell Shoals. And I, so I'm like, what are these bugs? And I was like, they're weird looking. Like they have two bodies. She's like, they're not. They don't have two bodies. They are two bugs attached to one another. I said, why are they attached to one another? And she just looked at me funny. It's <laughs> like, we cannot have this conversation with Ava in the car, okay? So I am not cool with a bug being fruitful and multiplying on my windshield. I am definitely not cool with a bug being fruitful and multiplying in my car, okay? So today I like open the door. I'm like, get out of here. So there's some things that I really miss about living outside of Florida, but I love... I love being here. One of the things, too, about being here that I noticed, and you're probably like, where is this going? I'm taking you somewhere, okay? One of the things I, I'm, I've noticed about living here is is compared to a place I used to live called Houston. Has anybody ever been to Houston? Okay. Uh, compared to a place I used to live called Houston, little town, about 4 million people, fourth largest city in the nation, Florida, Tampa, Brandon is way more laid back, Okay. If you've ever lived in Houston, you know this. Houston is a concrete city, and it's go, 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 go all the time. Now, people here, for the most part, you may feel like it is that way here, but just go live in, in Houston for a month. I get nervous, anxious when I, when I go to Houston. I've got to go there next month for a weekend to speak. I get nervously anxious when I land in Houston because it's just so busy. Everyone's so busy. There's traffic everywhere. It's just busy. When we moved here, I realized... I started to relax a little bit, and I used to tell people, if I can get out of Houston, I, I know that I will not be so anxious. I'm going to be honest with you, a little confession. I struggle with anxiety. When Jesus says, don't be anxious for anything, I struggle with that. I do. 
And so I thought getting out of this context where it's just really busy will be easy for me to not be anxious. And so we moved here. And you know what I found out? That the busyness was not around me. That it was in me. And I couldn't get rid of it just by moving locations. You ever tried that? You ever tried to run from something and you realize that in running from it, you actually realize that it, you weren't fleeing it. It was in you. And what I realized is that my heart and my soul are busy. And I want to talk about something tonight called Sabbath. If you've got your Bibles, go to Genesis chapter 1. And we're going to close out this series by talking about this idea of Sabbath. Talking about it from the Old Testament, talking about it from the New Testament, and then trying to make it practical for our lives. Here's what we found out the very first week. I want to take you back to the very first week of origins. We found out that God bara the earth. Everyone say bara. Bara. You got to say it like like your Hebrew man. Go bara. Bara. There you go. There you go. You get like you're spitting something. And then after he bara the earth, created out of nothing, he asad. Everyone say asa. And then he created man in his what? Image. Image. And he placed us in the garden. So God is working, man. He is at work. If you have your Bibles, uh, go to the very last part of chapter 1, and we'll see what's happening here. Verse 30, it says, He says to the beasts of the earth, every bird in the heavens, to everything that creeps on the earth, and everything that has the breath of life, I've given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God, verse 31, God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning on the sixth day. So God has been working. God has been at work. He created the moon and the sun and the stars and the plants and the animals and the trees and the people. He's been at work. Now check this out. Then we get the seventh day. Look at chapter 2, verse 1. Thus, the heavens. I love that, thus. It's a great Bible word, man. Just start going around saying that. Thus, the heavens and the earth were finished. You should say that someday in class when you finish your test. Thus, I am finished. (laughs) You'll sound super biblical. Um, Thus, the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished the work that he had done. Now check this out. And he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all the work that he had done in creation. About three or four times through that passage, it tells us that God finished his work, and then he rested. He finished his work, then he rested. He finished his work, and then he rested. I want to talk about this concept of Sabbath, because here's what I know is true about us, is that we live in a culture that is really, really busy. And as much as you try to get away from it, you try to find solitude, or you try to find time to pray, I guarantee you, you will identify with me in this. When I slip away to pray for an hour, or maybe I want to spend half a day in the Word praying, what I find is that it is hard for my soul to slow down. Is anybody with me? I'll open up the Bible and I'll start to read it, and immediately things will pop in my head that I have to do. I'll try to pray, and immediately I'm thinking about things that are going on in my life. Because what is true is that there is noise, not just outside of me, but there is noise in me. And it takes me a while to calm my soul. It says here that God creates man and woman. The last thing he does is he creates us, and he makes us in his image. And then what it says is the next day, God rested. He Sabbathed. But here's what's true is that although we don't think that God was creating something that day, most people would say the first six days God creates and then he rests. What we do know is true is that God was creating something that day. He created you to glorify him, to bring him glory, to reflect him. You weren't supposed to get glory for yourself or rob fame for yourself. You're supposed to give glory or fame to God. And here's the deal is God has set us up as human beings to live in rhythm. We're going to see this as I take you through kind of how God dealt with the Israelites in Sabbath. But he made us to live in a rhythm. And the reality is, is that you cannot work, 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 work without burning out at some point. Physically, emotionally, spiritually. God, on the seventh day, rested. But in his resting, he was also creating something. And was creating something for us, and it's called Sabbath. And we get this all jumbled up sometimes because people argue about, well, Sabbath is Sunday, but I go out to eat on Sunday, and I sometimes have to work on Sunday. And then some people say we're supposed to worship on Saturday, and 
the all the stuff, right? Let me kind of take you through this. Basically, for the Jewish culture, for Hebrew people, they said that Shabbat or Sabbath was from sunset on Friday, sunset on Saturday. Okay? So when we were in Israel, last year I went with Ben uh, Hewitt and Daniel Duncan, who used to speak at Refuge, is also my brother-in-law. We went to Israel to work with Rachel Horta, who was living there. We happened to get there during Ramadan, which is also a Muslim holiday, where nothing is open during the day because they're fasting. And for them to work is a sin. So we were hungry when we got there. And we got up the first day after getting in really late, and we realized that it was Ramadan, so nothing was open. It also happened to be Shabbat or Sabbath, and it was Saturday morning. They had started Sabbath the night before that, and they would Sabbath until sunset that day. Nothing was open. The whole culture closes down. The whole culture closes down. As a whole culture, they shut down because for them it is a rhythm it is a way of life because what they know is that they cannot continue to work 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 without stopping so so what's the deal why why do we sabbath what's it mean to sabbath well the jewish people they would say you sabbath from sunset on friday to sunset on saturday that was basically the time of sabbath but then jesus christ was crucified that he was put in the tomb and then three days later, we know this, many of us, that he rose again. And so what began to happen is the early church began to worship on the day of the resurrection. They began to worship on Sunday. They began to set that aside as a holy day. And basically what happened is when Constantine declared that Rome was going to be a Christian nation, so to speak, he also declared that Sunday would be the holy day. So fast forward a little bit, just to kind of show you where we've gotten as our understanding of Sabbath as people and kind of how it gets mixed up. Fast forward a little bit to America and the founding of America and the founding of our nation. And when they begin to try to decide what day will we honor as a day of worship? What, are we going to talk about Sunday? Are we going to talk about Saturday? So what began to happen was they couldn't decide. And so what do we have? We have Saturday off primarily and Sunday off. For a long time, that was a part of the culture. It's not so much a part of the culture anymore. It's slowly becoming not a part of our culture to Sabbath. In fact, as you'll see, businesses used to be closed on Sundays. People used not to work on Sundays. Slowly and slowly and slowly, our culture is getting busier and busier and busier. Let me kind of read you something here. This is pretty crazy. I have to read it to you so I get it right. There's this guy named Bernie Krause, and um, he records nature sounds for television, like for shows and stuff. He records just simple nature sounds to put on shows and movies and stuff. Here's what it says. In 1968, to get one hour of undisturbed natural sound, which means this, no airplanes, no cars, nothing like that. It took 15 hours of recording time. 15 hours to get an hour of natural sound with no disruptions. That was 1968. Today, in order to get that same one hour of undisturbed sound, it takes 2,000 hours. So here's what that says to me, is we are getting busier, we are getting louder. Check this out too. When un, 183 million people are regularly exposed to noise levels labeled by as excessive by the EPA. iPods, MP3 players, TV, radios, we're always surrounded by noise. We never really stop and unplug. So here's what, here's what God does. He says, I'm going to make man, I'm going to make woman, and then I'm going to give them this thing called Sabbath. Sabbath is a gift. But what sometimes people have done, and the Jewish culture did this, and the Pharisees did this, was they said, we're going to make Sabbath a law. If you've got your Bibles, go to the book of Mark. We'll see kind of what Jesus says about the Sabbath in Mark chapter 2. Go to Mark chapter 2, and we're going to start in verse 23. And here's what Mark says. In Mark's gospel about the Sabbath, we see the story of Jesus walking with his disciples. And starting in chapter 2, verse 23, it says this. On one Sabbath, he, Jesus, was going through the grain fields. And as they made their way, the disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, look, why are they doing this? What is not unlawful, what is not unlawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, have you ever read what David did when he was in need and was hungry? He and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God in the time of Abathar, the high priest, and he ate the bread of presence, which would have been a huge deal, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat. 
And also he gave it to those who are with him. And then here's what Jesus says. And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man. Catch this. The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Two things are happening here. First thing is this. Jesus is saying, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. I made the Sabbath. I want you to catch that. All those Pharisees would have understood that. He called himself regularly the Son of Man. I am the Son of Man. I am the Son of Man. And here at the end of this passage, here's what Jesus does. He says, and the Son of Man, me, is the Lord of the Sabbath. Basically, he's saying to the Pharisees, he's like, all you guys want to make this about a rule. You want to make this legalistic, just about a day. But here's the reality. I made the Sabbath. It was my idea, guys. I invented it. If I want to pluck grain on the Sabbath, I can pluck grain on the Sabbath. All those Pharisees were like, huh? And the second thing he said is this. Because I made it, you missed a point. I did not make it so you can make a law out of it. I made it because I wanted to give a gift to man. I wanted to give a gift to man so that they could live in rhythm and so that they could live in a way that would glorify me. Because when we burn out, when we get so pushed emotionally, we get pushed spiritually, we get pushed physically, and then we cannot honor God. Right? So he says, I'm going to give man a gift. So there's one side that says legalism, right? Sabbath is this day, and if you've got to do this, and basically that's what the Pharisees are saying. And, and Jesus says, I made the Sabbath, and the Sabbath was made for man. Man was not made to fit into the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made as a gift, a good gift from a good God to give to man, so that on this day we could unplug. But, but what is the purpose of Sabbath? That's what I want to kind of walk you through. And then what does it mean for us living post-Jesus, so to speak, in this thing called the New Covenant, accepting Christ? Because we know that in Exodus, part of the Ten Commandments, don't murder, don't kill, don't lie, don't commit adultery, and don't forsake the Sabbath. We know that. So we look at that, and sometimes we struggle with that. Like, I'm going to be honest with you, I struggle with that sometimes. Does that mean I shouldn't go out to eat on Sunday? Does that mean I shouldn't work on Sunday? If it does, what work can I do? Can I do homework on Sunday? Should I just sleep all day on Sunday? Some of you are like, yes, that's the answer. <laughs> so what does that mean for me? Well, I want to walk us through some things tonight. And, and I'm just going to be honest with you. Tonight, I typically like to take a text and kind of walk through it. Tonight, so we can get the whole scope of what Sabbath is about, we're not going to do that, okay? So if you're really, you know, tied about preaching through one text, you'll get over it. Um, here's, here's the deal tonight. Sabbath was made for man. And so what does God want to happen on the Sabbath? Well, here's a couple things I think God wants to happen. They're going to be on the screen behind you. But when we begin to Sabbath, here's one of the things that happens. It's very natural is this, is that God will physically begin to renew us. He'll physically begin to renew us. Here's a really cool part about Sabbath is that people that are not Christians or not spiritual at all are catching on to this idea of Sabbath. Because our culture is getting busier and busier and busier, what people are beginning to realize is that my employees cannot work that much. My students cannot take that much. And so what people are beginning to do, bosses, people that own companies, even teachers, are beginning to take these seminars on how to teach people how to Sabbath, so to speak. They don't call it Sabbath, but 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 that's what it is. Um, basically, there's this thing called Spark Northwest. I, I found this when I was just looking up stuff. Spark Northwest is a company that goes into other companies and talks to those companies, executives and bosses and managers about how their people cannot continue to work, 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 work. And if they want to get the maximum out of their people, the maximum out of their employees, they will make sure that they are taking a day to rest. Now, they don't call it Sabbath, but isn't that amazing? That people who are secular, secular companies, Spark Northwest, is making money off going into companies and telling them what the Bible already says. You can't continue to live this way. So they go in and they tell them that. There's a, there's a city in Washington state who has actually taken pads and put them around their um, light posts and their phone posts, the telephone poles, because people were texting so much that they were running into the pad, into the poles. So they put pads around them. Right? I'm like, really? If you've ever run into a poll texting, I'm sorry. I would have liked to have been there. Um, 
because we're so busy. What happens is this, is when we Sabbath, one of the things that God knows is going to happen is we will physically be renewed. Just, just straight up physically. And sometimes we take the physical and we remove it from the spiritual. But God did this. God rested on the seventh day. And here's what I know is if God rested, I have to rest. If God rested, I have to rest because God is setting this pattern for us. And the reality is this, is that God did not have to rest. It's interesting that God took his day of rest, not in the middle, because when I'm doing a project, what do I want to do? I want to take a break, right? It doesn't say on day four, God went to get a latte. It does not say that he went and took a break, okay? God completed his work, and then he rests. And sometimes we're really good, especially in church, about separating the physical from the spiritual. But the reality is, is you are not a spirit trapped inside a body. You're not a spirit trapped inside a body. That's actually quite Gnostic. That's a, that's a heresy from a long time ago. That your flesh is bad and your spirit is good and your spirit is trapped inside your body. Your physical is attached to your spiritual. In fact, it all goes together. And so if physically I'm not taking care of myself, then I'm not worshiping the Lord. And Paul puts it like this. Your body now, if you're a Christian, is a temple of the Holy Spirit. You house the Holy Spirit. So worship God with your body. And he was primarily talking about sexually. But what we also know is that if I'm a glutton, if I'm sloth, if I am working myself to death, I'm not worshiping the Lord. So physically it renews us. But then a lot of times what happens is when people Sabbath, they just care about the physical. Because I'm not having to convince a lot of you right now that Sabbath is bad. You're like, yeah, I like to rest. I like to sleep in. Who likes to sleep in? Raise your hand. I love to sleep in. How many of you are like me? You um, set your alarm and then you snooze for like an hour. Does anybody do that? <laughs> it doesn't make you a sloth, no. It just means you like to sleep in. I like to sleep in too. When I was in college, uh, I lived in an apartment that had like four different rooms and there were four guys in there. So we each had our own room and it was an on-campus apartment. And I had like a seven o'clock class. And so I would set my alarm for 530 because I wanted to get up by 630. <laughs> it took me about five minutes to watch class. So I had this all mapped out. I would set it for 530 and it would go off. Beep, 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 bam, I'd hit it. Five minutes later, beep, 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 bam, I'd hit it. One day, my roommate who hated the sound of my alarm came into my room and turned it off. I woke up and I thought, man, I feel good. <laughs> I was like, this is the greatest. I got up. I was getting ready. I was like, I feel better than I've ever felt. I am ready to go to class. It was 11 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I had a little word with Derek after that. So when we Sabbath, what happens is, is it begins to physically renew us. But a lot of times what we do is if we Sabbath, we like the we get to rest. We like to I sit on the couch. We like to I just watch TV. But that is not Sabbath. Check this out. That is not Sabbath. You taking a nap all day isn't biblical Sabbath. Because here's what Sabbath is. If we neglect the spiritual, we've not Sabbathed. We've just taken a nap. We've just taken a nap. So here's the deal. Sabbath will renew you physically, but Sabbath begins to reorient our hearts a little bit. When I take a Sabbath, I begin to reorient my heart. And here's what happens. When I Sabbath, I reorient my heart to a couple things. They're going to be up on the screen here. When I Sabbath, I reorient my heart to grace. I reorient my heart to grace. See, part of taking a Sabbath is realizing that, number one, you can't do it and that you need grace. Our, our tendency as a culture is to work, 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 work. And when I work, 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 I find my identity in my work. I mean, Maggie could not have said it any better tonight. That's why I thought she read my message notes. Is if I work, then people will like what I'm producing, whether it's school or my job or ministry or whatever it is that we've been called to do. So if I work, 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 and I try really hard, then I find my identity in what I do. How many of you know tonight that we all struggle with finding our identity and how good we are at whatever it is that we're doing. Whether you're a student, whether you're a pastor, whether you're a teacher, and someday that will not go away. That will bleed over into your job. You will find your identity in what you do. 
The problem with that is someday when what you do, you can't do anymore, where do you find your identity? When you can't sing anymore, where do you find your identity? When you're a doctor or a nurse and you can't use your hands anymore, where do you find your identity? When you can't do that thing that you have wrapped your identity around and you have wrapped the accolades of people towards you around. And can I tell you something? I love to hear people tell me I've done a good job. I don't think there's a person in this room that doesn't. And if we're not careful, we will work towards that. And can I tell you what that sounds a whole lot alike? Works versus grace. If I live by works, here's what it will begin to look like in my life is that I will want people to tell me I'm doing a good job, and so I will work for the favor of people, and I'll work for the acclaim of people, and I won't work for the Lord. And what happens on Sabbath is my heart begins to be reoriented to grace, knowing that I can't do it, and my life is not wrapped up in the job that I do. My life and my identity are not wrapped up in how good of a pastor I am, how good of a missionary I am, how good of a whatever you are. Your life is not wrapped up in that. Your life, if you're in Christ, is wrapped up in who He is, period. And when I Sabbath, my heart gets turned back to grace because I realize that for that day, I'm saying, God, my life is not wrapped up in this. Someday I won't be able to teach. Someday I won't be a student. Someday I won't be musical. Someday I may not be able to do art. Someday I may not be a mechanic. Someday I may not be able to do the thing that you've called me to do this thing because of my physicality or my ailments or whatever may come when I get older. But my identity is in you. When I Sabbath, it reminds me of grace. What do I mean by that? If you've got your Bible, go to Deuteronomy 5.12, and we'll get a picture of Sabbath for these people. Deuteronomy 5.12. When we first hear God tell his people about Sabbath in Exodus, but then we hear it again here, and it's, it's really echoed here, similar to what's in Exodus. Deuteronomy 5.12 is kind of a, another telling of the Ten Commandments, but it's different here. And I think it's really interesting what he says. Deuteronomy 5.12, it says this, Observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy, as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all of your work. If you've got a pencil or a pen or something, underline that. We're going there in a second. Do all of your work. Six days you'll labor. But on the seventh day, you will Sabbath to the Lord your God. You're not just going to rest. You're not just going to take a nap. He says, you will Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it, you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughters or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey. Man, he's getting down to the animals. <laughs> he's like, do not let those animals work. Or any of your livestock or the, so the sojourner who is within your gates. So interesting to me because he says, don't let your donkeys work. Don't let your animals work. He says, don't even let the sojourner, the person who's passing through and is within your gates, stop them from working. And they probably weren't even Hebrew. These would have been pagan people who were traveling through. He said, if that guy's out there working, stop him. Then he continues on and says this. Verse 15. You shall remember that you were a slave. In the land of Egypt, and that the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. When I begin to Sabbath, when I begin to stop for a day and realize that my identity is not wrapped up in what I do, what he was saying in Deuteronomy, he's saying, keep the Sabbath. In Exodus, he told him in the Ten Commandments, he said, keep the Sabbath, keep that day holy. But then he comes back in Deuteronomy and he adds something to it. He says, keep that Sabbath, keep it holy. But then he says, why? To remember that the Lord your God is the one who took you out of Egypt and redeemed you by his mighty hand. He wants them to stop one of those days during the week to remember that it's not their works that got them out of Egypt. That it's the, the hand of the Lord, His mighty right hand. If we're not careful, we will work so much that we will begin to wrap our identity around what we do. And we'll wrap our identity around the claim, a claim of people for what we do. And if I'm not careful, I will slowly walk away from the cross and I will forget that it's by grace I live, by grace I do what I do, by grace I sing, by grace I'm a student, by grace, by grace, by grace. You know what happens then? I become arrogant, become prideful. And that's how people walk away from the Lord, by the way. You have friends 
Maybe friends that used to be here and are not here right now because they have walked away from the Lord. It doesn't happen overnight. And Sabbath is so connected to this idea of realizing that it's by grace that everything happens. So why does that matter? For a day, I'm going to put aside the thing that I I have a tendency to wrap my identity around, and I'm just going to be, because I'm not someone who does. I'm just going to be. For me, let me just make this personal. For me and every pastor, you can ask a pastor this, or anybody in ministry, Ministry is such a personal thing because there is not, it's not a nine to five job. You don't turn it off. I don't punch a time clock. Any of you in here that are thinking about going into ministry, if you're not called to do ministry as a vocation, I would run quickly because you will want to give up about day two. You don't punch a time clock. It's life and it's all consuming. If I'm not careful, I will begin to wrap my identity around how good of a minister I am, how good of a pastor I am, how much acclaim people give me. If I am not careful, I will wrap my identity around that. And the day that something happens and I make a mistake, the day that something happens and I'm not as successful, then what happens? Matt's whole identity is gone. So for me to stop and Sabbath for a day means I set aside all my pastoral duties, all that stuff that I have to do, thinking about messages, writing sermons, planning events, calling people, whatever it is that I do as a pastor, I set it aside and I say, for this day, God, I'm going to remember that it is your grace that is my identity and not that stuff I do. Because ultimately it is. Because there will be a day where I cannot do all the things I do now. And it will be his grace that is my identity. And it will be the same for you. There are a lot of you in here tonight that are finding your identity in something. And Jesus says to Sabbath, because the Sabbath was made for man, and one of those reasons is to reorient your heart to grace. Because a lot of us in here have forgotten what grace is like. Because you live in a culture where you have to work, 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 earn, 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 right? And you've forgotten that Jesus just accepts you as you are. A's, B's, C's, D's. Whether you did a good job at your job today or not. Sabbath reminds us of grace. Here's the other thing that Sabbath does. Kind of continue on with me. Sabbath also will reorient your heart to faith. Sabbath reorients your heart to faith. I want you to think about something with me. When Jesus was talking about Sabbath, when God gave the command for these people to Sabbath, here's the really interesting thing is this, is that they lived in an agrarian culture, which means this, they grew everything. They grew everything. We don't really have that. When I go to Ethiopia, I see an agrarian culture. They grow everything there. When he said to stop for a day, that was huge. Stop working the fields for a day. Stop being out there growing for a day. If they were to stop for a day, it's possible that they could lose their whole crop or their whole harvest. And so here's what God was telling them. He says, on this day, Sabbath, on this day, God rested, Genesis 2. And then he tells them again in Deuteronomy, rest and remember, rest and remember. So Sabbath, when I rest, it reorients my heart to grace, that my identity is not wrapped around what I do, but it's wrapped around what Jesus has done. But then it also reorients my heart to faith. Because back then, when they were told to Sabbath, to stop for a day and do nothing, don't work in the field, don't even let somebody who's not Hebrew work in the field, man, do, don't do it. It was a major act of faith. You ever feel like if you stop for a day, things won't get done? You know what I'm talking about? Like like you got this project, you have this paper, you have this stuff to do. And, and let me just encourage you, it doesn't change when you get out of college. Every day I wake up, and the first thing I think when my feet hit the floor at about 7 a.m., when my daughter comes in and tells me I'm lazy and to get out of bed, is not I love my family. First thing that enters my mind is not I love my daughter. First thing that enters my mind is not I love the Lord and he's so good. You know what the first thing that enters my mind is? I have so much to do today. I have so much to do today. I have so many people call today. I have things to do today. i got to run all over the city today doing things. I have so much to do today. It is so hard for me to stop. Here's what I know. It is so hard for you to stop because you feel like if you stop, it won't happen. And here's what God's been teaching me over the past year. I'm going to be honest with you. I may be somewhat of a hypocrite when it comes to talking about Sabbath. So everything I'm saying to you tonight is for me. 
The past year I've been walking through what it means for me to Sabbath and for our family. Because like I said, ministry and other jobs that you will go into can consume you totally. And what I realized about a year ago is, like I said, that I had not left the busyness, that the busyness was in me. One of the things I learned when I was in China is that um, busyness, if you take the Chinese word for busyness, it's two Chinese characters put together. Two Chinese characters. Busyness, two Chinese characters. The two characters that they are is one, the character for kill or murder. The other character that goes right next to that is the character for heart. You put those two together and they make the word busyness in the Chinese language. Kill heart. I was this was like two trips, three trips ago, and I was I just happened to be sitting with this Chinese person. We were I was writing English, he was writing Chinese, and I said something about being busy because I said I'm very busy in America. And he said, Oh, I'll write that word. He wrote it out, and I said, What do those mean? And he said, Kill heart. I thought, Oh, <laughs> that's horrible. <laughs> but we wear busyness like a merit badge, don't we? You ever talk to someone, you ask them, how are you doing? Man, I'm busy. I do that. I, I got, I'm so busy, I got so much stuff. But deep down, I love saying that because some way I feel like it validates me. Oh, I'm so busy. I have so much stuff going on. Look at what I'm doing. And a lot of time my busyness is for the Lord. And I love to wear that like a merit badge. Man, I think that's the biggest, that's like 20 merit badges. I'm an Eagle Scout for Jesus, man. It's like, I am so busy for the Lord. Look at me how busy I am. And God is going, why don't, why, why don't you just stop being busy? Because in reality, you are killing your heart. And you think, you think that if you don't stop, Matt, talking to myself now, and maybe you, that everything will fall apart. Do you know what that is? It's basically idolatry. Because when we have this view that if I don't stop, everything will fall apart, basically what we're doing is we're kind of making God really small and we're making ourselves really big. It's like extreme Armenianism. Okay, I'm just going to go ahead and say that. Totally man-centered. That I would be the most important thing and if I don't stop, everything will fall apart. And God's going, no, it's not. Because today you got up and the sun did not collide into the earth. And the ocean did not overtake your house for the most part. Um, I am still God. And you can stop today. And you know what happens? When I begin to Sabbath, I reorient my heart to grace, but I also reorient my heart to faith that if I stop, everything's not going to fall apart. And that's going to be really difficult for some of you. I reorient my heart to faith. But you notice what he says here. Go back to Deuteronomy chapter 5. I want to I show you something that's huge here for your Sabbath. And then we're going to kind of close this, close this thing down. Deuteronomy chapter 5. Go back there if you would. And there's something huge here in this passage that God says. Deuteronomy 5.12. He says, Observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy. As the Lord your God commanded you, six days you shall labor and do all your work. See, here's the deal is that when you begin to Sabbath, your Sabbath day should be the day of rest. But sometimes it can't be a day of rest because I have not done my work up to that point. Here's the, the very implied thing when God says to Sabbath. He says, do all of your work in those six days and on that seventh day, rest. And can I be honest with you? Some days when I try to Sabbath or take a Sabbath, it can be a really crummy Sabbath if I have not been very intentional with my six days. And that's the problem with some of us, is if we try to Sabbath or try to take a day for the Lord or try to not to do something, we have not been intentional with our schedules and disciplining ourselves to do the things that we have to do those six days so that we can Sabbath. So much of Sabbath depends on those six days. God is working his tail off for six days. And then on the seventh, he rests. See, Sabbath reorients my heart to grace. It reorients my heart to faith. But here's the last thing. I want you to see this because this is really cool and then we're done. Sabbath reorients my heart to hope. Sabbath reorients my heart to hope. Here's the deal. After God created, he creates, he rests, and then the fall happens. And then God steps into the middle of the fall and we saw this before he announces the end. He says that Satan's head will be crushed even though Christ's heel will be striked. And then the rest of the Bible, which is what we're going to start 
next week is God's pursuit of man. And so God created, he rested, and then in that moment when sin happened, God steps back in and he begins to recreate. And here's what is true, is that God is recreating us, he is recreating the world, he is recreating everything, and it will be fully restored someday. It's in the process of being restored, you're in the process of being restored, but here's the really cool part, is Jesus, Jesus is our hope, right? Jesus is our hope. And Jesus is our Sabbath. One of the things that's really interesting, if you look at the Old Testament and you look at the law, and you look specifically at the Ten Commandments, you'll notice that all of those things are carried over into the New Testament. When Jesus is talking, he says, um, if you are a hater in your heart, you've murdered. If you've lusted in your heart, you've committed adultery. All those things are carried over into the New Testament as wrong. Don't worship idols. Don't kill anybody. That's a good idea. Don't do this. Don't do that. But the one thing that's not carried over into the New Testament is this idea of Sabbath. I'm not saying it doesn't say not to have it doesn't say to have a Sabbath, but it doesn't say to a specific day. Because here's what the New Testament writers believed, and a lot of people after that had believed, is that when Jesus said, My yoke is easy and my burden is light, if you come to me, I will give you Sabbath. That's what he said. My burden is easy, my yoke is light, my teaching is easy, my yoke is light, and if you come to me, if you're weary, if you're heavy laden, I will give you Shabbat. That's what he said. I will give you Sabbath. In me is found full Sabbath. So if we are in Christ, we are fully Sabbathing. So basically what happens is the, the writers of the New Testament take this idea that was supposed to be a day that had become very legalistic. Notice what Jesus said. He, remember he said the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And Jesus is saying, I am rest. I am Sabbath. And so if you come to me, you will experience deep, abiding Sabbath. And so Jesus takes this idea of a day, and he says, no, you should live like this all the time because you're in me. But here's what we know, is that Christ is our hope, and that he is the hope of reconciliation with God. He's the hope of being restored fully. He's the hope of forgiveness of our sins. So it all points back to Jesus, but it is really difficult for us to Sabbath sometimes. And although the New Testament doesn't lay out and say there has to be a day, what is true is that God still longs for us to rest, and resting is good. Sabbathing is good. I know that Christ is my Sabbath, and that someday he will bring full hope. The world is chaotic now, and it's hard for me to stop, and it's hard for me to rest. But Christ is my ultimate hope for that. He is my rest. He is my Sabbath. But still, while we're here in this earth, we are physically limited. We are spiritually pulled in different directions. And Christ says you need to rest. Let me just kind of tell you about my own journey, and then I'm going to ask Zach to come back up here. Like I said, for about the past year, I've realized that if I don't begin to take a Sabbath, that... Um, my family will not like me a whole lot because they don't see me a whole lot. Up till this point, I've been out of the country like four months a year, traveling on top of that to speak at different places, doing ministry locally. So, so I wear the merit badge of being busy, and I like wearing it, to be honest with you. I'm a busyaholic, and I feel like I'm important if I'm busier. Maybe that's where some of you are. And so I began to wrestle with this idea of Sabbath and knowing that even though Christ Jesus is my Sabbath rest, that it's still good for my soul to take a day and rest. And not just take a nap or not just sit on the, on the couch and watch a football game or not just play Wii, right? To take a day to Sabbath is a very Godward, tenaciously Godward day where I'm going to say I'm going to unplug. I'm going to spend time with my family. I'm going to love my wife, love my children tenaciously. I'm going to study the scriptures. I'm going to take a walk and be outside in God's creation and pray. I'm going to be tenaciously Godward on this day. So my question to you is do you have that day? Or is your whole life so busy that you've begun to wrap your identity around what you do? And who you are is what you do. Or have you become so busy that you think if you take a day off, everything is going to fall apart in your life? Jesus says, Sabbath. 
And so what I begin to try, start trying to do is carve out a day. For me, because I'm a pastor, Sunday is not Sabbath. Sunday's work. Get here at about 7 in the morning, here until noon. Most days we have a meeting or two meetings or three meetings. It's a day of work. I don't say that like, oh, man, I hate my job. No, I love my job. But it's not Sabbath on that day. So graciously for pastors here at this church, and this isn't every church, they give uh, us a day off, another day, usually Friday. So what we've been trying to do in my family is to take a day and Sabbath. And sometimes that means it's a different day. It, It may be a moving day because some days or some weeks, especially on Friday, I may get on a plane and go somewhere. Or I may jump in my car and drive somewhere to go do ministry somewhere else. But regardless of that, I still tenaciously fight for a day where I am not doing stuff. Because I need to reorient my heart to grace. I need to reorient my heart to faith. I need to reorient my heart to the fact that God is the one who provides and he is my hope. And not the stuff I do. And who I am is not built around what I do. Who I am is built around the God who loves me and sent his son for me. And Sabbath reminds me of that. So it's been very difficult for me to, to do that, to be quite honest with you. But I've started trying to do that. And what I've found is that over time, it has this kind of culminating effect. The more I Sabbath, the more God begins to pull layers off of me that I didn't even know were there. About what I was finding my identity in. About how I was not treating my family the way I should, how I'm not being the dad I should. As I Sabbath, I begin to realize, and God begins to speak to me, because the reality is, if I work so much for the Lord, but I never stop, I'm never going to hear from Him. I want to share with you some things, and then Zach's going to come and lead us in worship, just some really practical things about picking a day. And and what I know is this, is that um, for you, it may be Sunday, it may not be, but but what I know is that if you don't begin to discipline yourself to work, and then Sabbath, you will burn out emotionally and spiritually and physically. And some of you are there. Like I see some of you and you're like, dude, I'm so tired. I can tell when school starts, man, because it's like I got this test. I got this paper. I got to work. I got to do this. I got to be here. I got to be at church. I got to lead 10 Bible studies. And I have to write a paper this week. Is is anybody there, right? And so Sabbathing is saying, God, I'm going to rest and trust you. So how do you do that? Here's a couple of really practical things. Number one, they're going to be up on the screen. Practical. Repent of your neglect of the Sabbath. You know, sometimes we treat um, we treat this idea of like something I'm going to implement, right? I'm going to say, well, I'm going to start trying to Sabbath. And, and then and then God's like, no, I just want you to repent and do it. We, we don't like try to implement other things. Like I'm going to think about not killing people, right? I'm going to think about, about not committing adultery. We don't treat the Ten Commandments, other commandments like that. But we do Sabbath and resting sometimes. So repent of your neglect of the Sabbath. Secondly, plan the day. Here's my challenge to you. We're talking about Sabbath and resting. Take the day and plan it. And you may say, Friday, I'm going to Sabbath. Plan that day. Plan exactly what you're going to do. If you're going to read a book that would make you love God more, say, I'm going to read this book. I'm going to read five chapters in this book. And then I'm going to take a walk and I'm going to pray. Plan out the day. Because here's what I know. What I've found in my Sabbath time is I have to be insanely intentional with it or I will end up working. (laughs) I'll end up sitting on my couch emailing people. I'll end up sitting on my couch Facebooking. I have to be insanely intentional with my Sabbath. And usually what that means is I have to plan my day. I'm going to spend time with my family. I'm going to pray with my wife. I'm going to read the scriptures. And can I just tell you, I'm not always that great at it, but I have to plan my day or I won't do it. The third thing is this, really, really simple. Prepare for the day. You may want to go into your Sabbath day praying. It's really interesting in, in the Hebrew culture, they prepare for the Sabbath. It's not like they just stumble into the Sabbath. We, we do that a lot with church, man. We just stumble into worship. We're like, oh, we're here. I made it kind of late. I'm worshiping. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, let's go to... No. Prepare for your Sabbath whether that's Sunday or Friday or Saturday or whatever day you choose to take the day to be tenaciously Godward, prepare for that. And then the last thing is just this. Practice it. Just do it, right? Nike said, just do it. Just do it. Just pick a day and say, I'm going to Sabbath on this day. I'm going to start it now so that my heart can be reoriented to grace. My heart can be reoriented to faith. I will trust God. Everything's not going to fall apart if I stop. I'm going to Sabbath. What would happen? What would happen if we just had a bunch of people that said, um, we're going to trust God this much that we're going to work our tails off for six days 
and we're going to honor God in our homework, in our work, and all the things that we do. And then we're going to take a day, a seventh day, whatever day that is, and we're going to trust in God. And we're going to stop. We're going to stop. We're going to stop and we're going to tell God he's good. We're going to stop and trust God for his provision for us. We're going to stop. And remember that it's not about us. It's all about him. Let me pray for you. Zach's going to lead us in some worship. Let me, let me challenge you tonight. Some of you are um, finding your identity in what you do. And for you to take a day off would mean for your identity to be lost. Some of you don't have faith in the Lord that he can provide for you or take care of your tests and all of your stuff. And so for you to stop is to lose everything. When Zach comes to lead worship, there, we've got a prayer room back here that we just started last week. If you walk out these, this little divider here, turn right, and to your left you'll see it. It's called the Clearing Refuge. And you may just need to go in there and get before the Lord and repent of neglecting the Sabbath. Repent of neglecting rest. Repent of finding your identity in what you do and just not who He is. Maybe tonight you just need to worship. The songs we're about to sing are very Godward-centered in the fact that God is our provider, God is our rest, God is the one who upholds us. Not our stuff. Not what we do. So I'm going to pray for you and we're going to worship. If you need to go pray, you can. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that after you created six days of stuff, you rested. And God, we, we know that you didn't have to rest. God, you, you never rest in a sense. But God, on that seventh day, you rested right after you created Adam. And so to me, that means that Adam would have seen you resting in some way. It would have been a, a pattern for him to have this rhythm in his life where he works and rests. And on the day of rest, remembers that you are God, that you made him, that you provide for him, and that you're good. And God, what I know is that in this room, there's a lot of people who are heavy burdened, heavy laden. They're worried. They're anxious. And Jesus, you tell us that you are our Sabbath rest. And all who are heavy laden or burdened can come to you and find Sabbath and find rest. So God, I pray tonight that we would run to you for that rest. That God, we would build into the rhythm of our life a day every week where we just stop and remember that you are our identity and not what we do. That you are our provider and not what we do. So God, I pray in these times as we worship, Lord, that you would just draw us to yourself. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together.